And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets preceding you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. Oh, isn't this the case? When I talk to students, as I'm sure most of you know quite well, uh, reading the Old Testament can be a challenge. This is why it's helpful to see it in segments. When you get into the section of woes in Isaiah, all those chapters after chapter, it can be quite daunting uh, unless you see those chapters just sort of one large group. Now, a hundred plus years after the writing of Isaiah, you have Jeremiah talking about this particular section. And what does Isaiah do in his very large section of woes? Well, he literally goes around the map, hitting area after area after area, just like a compass. And each area section is found wanting, often for very different reasons, but the end verdict is still very similar. It's judgment that in some way is going to come down upon them. And Jeremiah, too, in his own writing, has his own section of woes that's in no way lacking. In fact, his section of woes is the one that prophesies that which will create that valley of dry bones that we run across much later in the book. But these two great prophets, and they are great prophets, are only two in a long line, many of which we don't even know their names. But the ones we do know are an impressive list. Elijah prophesied that great three years of famine that ended with the showdown at Mount Carmel between himself and the prophets of Baal. Amos prophesied the destruction of northern Israel. Joel responded to a great locust plague. And so you know these things aren't going to land far away in a long time ago. I read a news article the other day about East Africa suffering through one of the worst locust plagues they've ever had. And it's actually moved now into India. So these things still very much occur. Nahum prophesied the destruction at that time of the greatest empire of the world, the Assyrians. Habakkuk prophesied the destruction of Israel and of Babylon and truly all great world empires. And even Malachi ends the Old Testament prophets with the simple word, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And of course, this long list is not to misrepresent the prophets. They do prophesy words of hope. Some of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible are interweaved in between these lines of destruction. These passages are so powerfully hope-filled that we repeat them every Christmas and every Easter. But this being said, when Jeremiah says, the prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms, he was more than right. For indeed, the Old Testament is one long line of the prophetic voice calling people, nations, the world from sin and judgment to hopefully forgiveness and life. From Noah to Moses to Elijah to Isaiah and yes, finally to Jeremiah and to Malachi. 
And they very much fulfilled the words of Paul. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. And these prophets were the voice proclaiming the law not just to Israel, but to the world. Because this is the reason you give these prophecies unto Assyria and Babylon and Egypt and Tyre and Sidon and Greece and even beyond these lands, is you do expect the word to go on and out and actually hit eardrums and have impact. And one may ask, how much impact did the Bible actually have on the ancient world? Well, I can go into a few different ways to answer this question, but maybe just a a little synopsis of the Old Testament would be helpful. Uh, Originally, biblical culture comes out of Mesopotamia, especially the northern part of it. We call it Syria and northern Iraq today. This is where you get the the word Semitic from. and You know, Hebrew is a Semitic language. Then it travels down through the land of Cana. Uh, the Bible is engaged with the land, the land and culture of Canaan. And then, of course, you, you have the 400 years in Egypt. And other than Egyptian words finding their way into the Bible, the, the actual Hebrew alphabet has changed. It's called Old Hebrew. And when you look at it, it actually looks rather hieroglyphic in form. And so, yeah, the, the Hebrews were very concerned with engaging with the Egyptian culture. Then they're back in Israel, and they're engaging very directly with the Phoenicians. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Remember that the Phoenicians were the traders of the ancient world, and so through them, they they are engaging with a larger world. And then the great empires come. Remember Jonah with the Assyrians, Nineveh. But the Babylonians made even bigger impact. The language of the Bible actually changes. Babylonian words start to make it into the text. Then the Persians come. The same thing happens, the book of Esther and such books like that. And then the Greeks come, and soon the entire Old Testament is translated into Greek. And their Jewish philosopher is very much engaged with the Greco-Roman world. And so if we just track the changes that occur in the Old Testament, things we can put our finger on and say, yeah, there's a word, and there's a thing, and there's a culture, whatever the case may be, as the people of God interact with the people, they are engaging with the nations around them. And so we can ask, you know, did they expect that the nations around them would hear? And the answer is yes. Yes, they did. And they did hear. Now, you have different responses, of course, from different places, but the message was still often very clear. And so, too, we shift to today in Paul's words. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I, I would not have known what it is to covet. The law had said, not said, you shall not covet. But sin seizing the opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. And when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. And we look at the world today and we, we look at that wall Bibles in the Christian bookstore and we go online to BibleGateway.com and we look at all the languages that the Bible has been translated into and what we see is the word, the word has gone out. It is going out. And it will continue to go out. And it declares in bright and bold terms that there is a God in heaven. There is a right. There is a wrong. The law is holy. And the commandment is righteous and good. And we look around our world, and what do we see? Do do we see holiness and righteousness and goodness? Well, that's tough, right? 
You know, it's, it's there, right? But when you turn on your news feed, is that what you see? Uh, of course not. Nobody would click on a link that says, everything's going fine in most of the world today. Let us show you where it's going okay. You know, that's not what gets covered. It's what is broken, what has gone against the law, what has gone against the word of the Lord. And so, too, we look at our own hearts. And this word comes to us, and does it, does it make us want to follow it? Well, let me give you an example. Do you know the quickest way to make a classroom talk? especially a young classroom, is to ask them to be utterly quiet. Tell them to not say a word. Because we say we want silence, but we, we, don't, we don't really want silence. We get very uncomfortable when there's silence. We, we start to shift and move. We, we cough a little. We, we whisper. We, we can't do it. The law is too great for us. And so, too, when the word of the Lord is holiness, it, it is too great for us. And this is why every word from every prophet was always judgment. It, it could be no other message. For the law is good and holy in its very bones. And, and we are not good and holy in our very bones. Our bones break and shatter. And if they shatter enough, not, not even the best surgeon can put them back together again. But Jeremiah's words do not just end with the words of judgment. The prophets never just end with a word of judgment. The entire testimony of the Old Testament is a confession that, yes, we live in a sinful, broken world that we can see before our very eyes every single day, but that great almighty but yet, or but wait. And so too for Jeremiah, as for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. And into this war-torn, land-torn, people-torn world comes one who enters like a lightning bolt. And he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. And we think, you know, wait, wait a minute, Jeremiah was talking about peace, and now Christ says that he has not come to bring peace. There, there must be some kind of disconnect here. And it is true. Je Jesus has not come to bring peace. Well, he has not come to bring the peace of the Hananiahs of the world. He has not come to bring the peace that says, I'm fine, you're fine, everything is fine. Even as the exiles have been led off, the temple has been plundered, and the invading army is at the doorstep. This is not peace. This is a lie. And all too often we mistake peace for being misled or for simple wishful thinking. He, Jesus, has come to bring true, unadulterated forgiveness and life for sinful, broken people. He has come to bring peace and life that is so powerful that it has impact on whomever it touches or even whomever it even whispers to. He has come to bring hope to widows, peace to the childless, comfort to the despairing, and the Easter joy to all those who grieve. He has come not for half measures or light speech, but to bring one and only one thing, that message of the cross and forgiveness and life to all people. And do all people hear it? 
Well, you know, yes, it does go out to all nations in great and grander calls. Yes, it's translated into different languages and, and has been carried by countless hands through countless fields. And yes, it's still going out trying to reach eardrums who have been convicted by the law of this sinful, broken world, but yet in Christ and his death have been forgiven and surrounded by life. And so, so yes, the message is, is still very much going out. But yes, as our gospel tells us, People have different responses to this message. Man against father, mother against daughter, and oh so many more. But the message is still the same. One has come, the, the true prophet, who has preached the true message of peace and life and forgiveness in his death and resurrection. And this message of peace and life is what, what guards, guides and guards our life now. For what does Christ say? Oh, simply pick up your cross and follow me. The prophet of peace and life and resurrection has come. And so now, as Paul says, we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new life of the Spirit. And so what shall we say? How shall life go? Is there anything? Is there, there any fear, anxiety, worry, or concern that is the dominant factor of our life? Oh, indeed, in this COVID-era day that we live in, there, there are many things I would like to tell us are really the dominant factor, and they'd like us to be consumed by them night and day. But there's a very different message that confronts us all every day of our life. It's simply Christ. It's simply that he has come, that he has freed us, and that we are not to be held in slave or captivity to anything else ever again. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you in your various vocations throughout this week and remind you always that, that we are free from the broken things of this world. It doesn't mean they don't have impact, but we are free of them. Because the prophet who prophesies peace has come, and his word is coming to pass. And we truly do know that the Lord is with us every step of the way, wherever he may have us walk and bear that cross. And in his name we pray. Amen.